Well, we're in a brand new series called Afterlife. Afterlife, and this kicks off today. And it's my hope that um, you won't leave more confused than when you first walked in after, after this message. And uh, you know what's really interesting about afterlife? Did you know that, that studies are conclusive, that one in one people will die? Did you know that? One in one people will die. You know, I will die one day, you will die one day. And what's really, really interesting is that death itself is not what people are afraid of, but it's what happens after we die. Where do we go? What happens there? And you know what's also really interesting? That studies show that, you know what the number one fear is? The number one fear for, for mankind is public speaking. Did you know that? That's strange. And you know what number two is? Is death. Which is kind of weird, which, kind of, which means that if you're speaking, giving a eulogy at a funeral, you'd rather be in the casket than actually giving the eulogy. It's kind of, it's kind of weird there. Uh, but it's kind of weird. But it's, it's this kind of niggling question, right? We all go to funerals. Uh, maybe it's just me. When I go to a funeral, I, I start thinking about, oh, I wonder what's going to happen. I wonder if anybody's going to turn up to my funeral. Uh, I don't know. Do you guys think like that? Anyway, maybe I'm just a bit weird. But, uh, <laughs> just, but we have this kind of niggling feeling like, what actually happens when I die? And you know what's really interesting? People who don't believe in God all believe they're going to heaven. Isn't that weird? That's kind of oxymoron if you ask me. I don't believe in God. Uh, do, you, do you reckon you're going to go to heaven? Yeah, of course I'm going to heaven. I'm a good person. Right? It's, it's just, how does that work? Yeah, but, me, but every, people who don't believe in God believe they're also going to heaven. It's just kind of thing, because we've got this niggling, this niggling thing inside of what actually happens when, when we die? Where do we go? What happens to this place? And this is what this whole series is all about. If you're looking for a title for my message today, it is The Living Dead. <laughs> the Living Dead. Okay. You, you may be surprised to know this, but the Bible speaks about zombies. Did you know that? Anybody love watching zombie movies? I, 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 uh, uh, I, I'm so glad because I, I, actually, I actually love watching zombie movies. It's just kind of weird. Don't, don't judge me, please. Um, but uh, but you, did you know that the Bible speaks about zombies? It really does. In fact, I'll prove it to you by the end of this message. Okay, so I've called this, this message the living dead. Now, we have this traditional view of what happens when we die. So I've got this diagram behind me. Here's a diagram. It's gone up. This is the traditional view, and, um, and here it is, and, and, and I've got my little, little uh, magic thing that points the pointer, this diagram. Look at this. This is the present age, right? Traditional view, we live our earthly life, but because of sin and death, we're all condemned to die. We all will die one day, and there's physical death. We die, and we go to the afterlife, okay? After life after death. This is the life after death moment. Now, when we, die, when we die, we get to this password moment, okay? Now, this password moment is based upon some kind of words or some things that we've done or some ritual we've done determines on this password moment. Like, for instance, did you say those words after the, 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 the pastor's message that Sunday, right? Did you say those magical words, or, did you, or, or maybe you're from a tradition that where you must be baptized in order to get to heaven? Did you do, were you baptized? If you weren't baptized, you're going to hell. Okay, whatever it is, there's some kind of ritual, some kind of password moment, and if you've got the right password, you end up in heaven where there's heavenly bliss, you're sitting on a cloud, you're singing songs for all eternity. It's a church service that never ends. For some people, that feels more like hell than it. But anyway, um, uh, church service that never ends, right? But if you don't have the password moment, you end up in hell where there's a lot of flames, there's a lot of torture, right? This is the traditional view. Okay, 
uh, it's nothing, it's, I'm not saying it's wrong, I'm just saying it's not enough according to Scripture. So let's go to the biblical view. Biblical view. Here we go. I'll just click. Oh, I've just gone too far there. Here we go. Sorry, Alice. <laughs> this is the biblical view. Okay. This is where I'm talking about. Hopefully you don't leave more confused when you first walked in. Okay. It, well, I kind of got it till you put that up. Okay. Now this is the biblical view, and it starts off here. And so here we have it. And this is a whole series is going to be based upon this biblical view. We're going to be breaking down each section. So let me just give a summary of the biblical view before I get into the message. I'll, I'll try to be quick as possible. We are created in the image of God. We're God, we're, we're God bearers. We're image bearers. We're made in His image. And, and um, as God bearers, we're, God, we're representatives to the world for God. And, uh, and as, uh, as image bearers, we have access to the tree of life. So when we take from the tree of life, we, have, we receive eternal life. Okay, We take from the tree of life, we receive eternal life. That's, that's this part. Now, because humanity um, decided to, to take for themselves what is right and wrong, we forfeited the right to the tree of life, and sin and death is now being, has been thrust upon humanity because we decided to step out of God's grace, step out of God's love, and we decided to take for ourselves what is good and evil. And sin and death comes into this life, and now we're on this trajectory, all humanity is on this trajectory of living death. Okay, living death. We are alive physically, but spiritually we are dead. We are the living dead. We're zombies. Okay, that's how I tied that in there. Like that? Okay, we're zombies. According to Scripture, we are zombies. We're living dead. We're on this trajectory that's, that we've separated ourselves from God because of what happened. And this is, this is the present age. This is right now. Jesus comes. Jesus died. Jesus comes. He dies on the cross for our sins and our rebellion. And he gives us this gift called eternal life. Remember in the garden, image of God, we had access. God had given us a gift, eternal life through the tree of life. We forfeited that right. We cast out of the garden. Sin and death comes on and we are now in living death. Jesus comes and he gives us access again to eternal life as a gift. Now those who receive this gift are on a new trajectory back to eternal life. Now, do you notice something? In the present age, where is eternal life? Is it in the present age, or is it something we get at the end? It's now. This is something really important for us to know. Hell and eternal life are not some future realities, but they're, they're present realities. Separation for God is a present reality. Eternal life is a present reality. Those who receive this gift of Jesus receive eternal life now, and we can experience eternal life now. Okay, present age. Or we can reject God's gift, and we can continue in our living death. And we can continue on this trajectory that, 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 um, that we're the, uh, we're all humanity are heading on a trajectory towards hell. And we, can, we can continue to choose on this living death, okay? So that's present age. And then there's physical death. We die. We die. And, um, and, and, you know, and this is the intermediate state. Okay. Remember, we, we didn't have this on the other one. It was just this. It was this um, life after death. This is life after death. And it's actually, you know what's really interesting is that there, Scripture is very vague about this time here. 
we don't have much scriptures about what actually happens in this intermediate state. All we know is that when our body dies, our spirit is ushered into the presence of Christ in heaven. As believe those who receive eternal life, now they're ushered with, when we die, our body, we're separated from our body, and we're with Christ now in heaven, and it's a temporary state. It's temporary. Because, uh, you know, we, we have this idea that, oh, you know, well, when we die, we're going to heaven. That's not our final destination. Heaven is not your final destination. It's a temporary state. You know what the, what's the opposite of heaven? Did you know it's not hell? Because did you know in the Bible, heaven and hell are never found in the same sentence? The opposite of heaven is earth. Okay. We're not going to heaven. The whole story of, of biblical thought is that we're, we're, it's all about the earth. Heaven and earth coming together is what the ultimate story is. Okay. And also the same thing is about those who continue in this living death. If you continue, on, if you continue rejecting God, rejecting his, his eternal life, when you die, all Scripture tells us as we end up in the grave. You just end up in the grave. That's all we know. There's nothing, no other information other than the fact you end up in the grave until Jesus returned. And this is what the, the Bible is more interested of is this part here. Uh, it, it's, interest, it's more interested in life after, life after death. Okay? It's not about life after death. It's life after life after death. Okay. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, my, my prayer was, please let me not more confuse them more than they first walked in. Okay. This is what this is, this resurrection, that, that we all, everybody is raised back to life. Everybody, on both trajectories, but according to, your traject- according to what we've chosen in our present life, it continues on into the next. We are in the age to come. The Bible tells us there's two types of people, those who reign with Christ in the new world uh, and flourish with Christ and reign and rule with them in the new world, and those who are separated from God. And, and, and you can fill in the blanks about there's a lot of imagery, imagery, Im, images in the Bible about what that looks like. There's, there, um, there's, there's fire, there's, there's pain, there's regret, there's remorse. Ultimately, it's separation from God. And this is the age to come. And this is a biblical view. This is just a summary over it. And this whole series, we're going to be breaking down each section as we go along. Today, we're going to be starting in the beginning is where we're going to be starting. That's what today's message is all about. And so, so here are the two views side by side. And I'm not saying that the traditional view is wrong. I'm just saying it's not enough. It's, it's not enough. And... Um, so, let's start in the beginning, and, and the best way to understand, how do we understand the end is by understanding the beginning. Like, what are we? Why are we here? This is, and, it's, and let's start in the book of Genesis. So, we're going to be camping in Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3 this morning. So, if you've got your Bible, turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. So, what are we, what, what are we and what are we made for? What are you made for? What were you made for? Okay, so let's begin. Genesis chapter 1. Verse 26. Okay. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock, over all the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth 
and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over every living creature that moves on the ground. So we are made like God. We're made in the image of God. We are made in the image. We are image bearers. This is what Genesis chapter 1 tells us, that you are made in the image of God. You are, you're, you are an image bearer, an image bearer of God. But, but uh, you're more than that. You're, you're, God has called you to rule in this world. As God's representative, we are to rule into this world. We have, we have this divine appointment. This is why the stakes are so high for mankind. The stakes are so high because we are God's image bearers. That's why the stakes are so high uh, for mankind. Human beings are unique. We're unique. We're, we're different from the animals, okay? I mean, we share a lot with the animals. Like, we come from the dirt, and we go back to the dirt when we die. And both humanity and the animals are animated by God's ruach, by God's spirit. We're both animated by God's ruach, by His spirit. We're both animated. By, but we have this divine appointment, this, 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 this unique trick, this vocation to steward, to manage, to rule over all of creation. So what happens... If the image bearer abandons their vocation. So what happens when we abandon our vocation? What happens when we, when we abandon what we were made to do? What happens? What does that look like? What does it look like when we reject the wisdom of the Creator? Well, the Bible tells us that the whole of creation is thrown off kilter. So let's have a look in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God made from the dust of the ground, and He breathed, into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had plant, planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. So here's the makeup of humanity. What's our makeup? We are dirt and divine breath. Dirt and divine breath. That is your makeup. You are dirt and divine breath. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm dirt and divine breath. Okay? Dirt and divine breath. Okay. <laughs> That's, who I, That's who you are. Okay. Fantastic. We are made to be physical. Did you know that? We're made to be, We are made to have bodies. Humans are not made to exist apart from our bodies. We're made to have body. We're made, we're created to have flesh and blood. We are dirt and divine breath, okay? But it is death that is introduced that causes this unnatural schism between material and the immaterial when we die. Up until this point, death hasn't been introduced, but it gets into, it's foreign to us. It wasn't the way that we were created. And because of death, it separates us. We were meant to be separated. Our body and the divine breath were never meant to be separated, but death separates it. It's, it, it wasn't how God intended to be. We were meant to be embodied physical beings. That is the biblical view, that, that we are meant to be physical beings, dirt and divine breath. We weren't meant to be separated, but because death is introduced, it separates us and brings something that is unnatural to what God meant it to be. So Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to work and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. So here's this moral choice that is now introduced um, to humanity. Do we trust the Creator? 
Do we trust the Creator's definition for what is right and wrong? Or am I going to choose for myself and not, to tr- uh, not trust the Creator and take and decide it for myself? Isn't that so true of ourselves? You're not going to tell me what to do. I'm going to choose for myself what is right and wrong. You're not going to tell. And isn't, isn't that what we do in our life all the time? I'll choose for myself. Well, you know, especially when we're with our parents. You can't tell me what to do. I'm going to do it my way because my way is better. And then we find ourselves in the ditch and we go, well, we should listen to mom and dad. But we don't tell mom and dad, do we? Okay, we just keep moving on. Uh, so and this is exactly what happened there. Are we going to trust the creator, God's definition of what right and wrong? Or are we going to grasp it and seize it for ourselves and take control of it? And it's also um, in the garden where we're given access to the tree of life. The tree of life. The tree of life is a gift. A gift of eternal life. So which the, the original des- uh, destiny for human beings is for life. That's our original destiny is for life, eternal life. It's a gift given to us. But we can choose death if we wanted to. Here's this choice that's being put before humanity. Choose life, choose eternal, eternal life, which is a gift to us, or choose death. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the snake was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say? Oh, isn't that how the, the, uh, the devil works in our lives? He challenges what God has said to you? Did God really say that you're an overcomer? Did, did God really say that you're... Did God, did, did, you reckon this is going to happen? Do you reckon your, 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 your marriage is going to get back together? Do you really believe that? And the, and the, and the devil brings sows doubt in our life. And here's the, here's the devil sowing doubt in Eve's mind. Did God really say? Did he actually say that? Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the snake, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it, or you will die. Verse 4, you will certainly not die. You will not certainly die, the snake said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God. Did you hear what, what the snake said to Eve? You will be like God, knowing good and evil. And there's the, the tragic irony here. What did the snake say to Eve? You will be what? You will be like God. What did Genesis chapter 1 say about humanity? It's either you, that we are already like God. We are already like God. And here's this thing, this, the, the, the deception of the sake. Oh, you'll be like, we're already, we're already image bearers. We are already made in God's image. Verse 6, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Now, when they took part of this fruit, when they ate this fruit, did they die? Did they die? They were buried six feet under. Did that happen? No, it didn't happen. In fact, Adam and Eve go and live long and full lives, right? So, the, so death, death has many facets to it. It's, it's more than just physical death. Death is more than just physical biology, biological death. It's more than that. It has many facets to it. In fact, there are three components of death. Three components of death. And so this is what we have. And, um, and so these three components are, are at work in this story, in this narrative as we begin to read it. So what's the first result of sin? 
what's the first result? What's the first casualty? Casualty Is it relationship with God? Is relationship to God the first casualty of sin? Let's read in verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked. The first death is relational death. Relation. This is a form of death. Relational death is the for, first, first form of death. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Why? Because they were ashamed. They were ashamed. There, there is death in relationship. What do we long for? We long to be fully known by other people, to be fully accepted, fully loved, fully cared for. No secrets that are hidden. That is what each of us long for, even if we've forgotten it. It's relational. And, and even today, we are always in conflict relationally with one another. This is a form of death. Relational death happens right here. And, and it all started way back in the garden. Verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was, well, he, was a, he was afraid. So there's fear. So there's another aspect of death here. We had relational death, and now there is separation from the Creator. We have spiritual death. Our sin separates us from God. There's a separation here. It separates us from God, and this is called spiritual death. In fact, the Apostle Paul, Paul says this, in chapter 2 of the book of Ephesians. This is what it says. Verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Is he talking about physical death here? No, he's not. Because he goes on in which you used to live. He's not talking about physical death here at all. He's basically saying that you are, you are, the, you are the living dead. You are a zombie. There we go. I just want to bring zombie back in again. You are the living dead. Sin and rebellion has put human beings on a trajectory of being physically alive, but spiritually dead. That's what sin and rebellion has done. It's separated us from God. And it has put us on this trajectory of being physically alive, but spiritually dead. We are the living dead. That's what we are. That's, that, this, is what, this is what sin and rebellion does. Sin and death does. It puts us on a, on a trajectory of the living death. So who is behind the cause of the living death in the world? Who's behind all this? Who's behind all this? So let's get into it again. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. This is Paul's reference to the evil spirits, spiritual beings that are behind all the evil that is in this world that the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, the evil, these evil spirits are, are, are at work in those who have chosen to separate them, themselves away from God. It's spiritual death that has taken place in Genesis chapter 3. And the third, is, the third is physical death. So what does this mean for us? Does this, does this mean that we are, we, when we die, we no longer exist anymore? Is, is this what it means now? that we're, Because of this, when we die, that's it? It's over? It's all over, over. It doesn't mean that at all because there's still that immaterial part of us. It wasn't meant to exist apart from the body, but somehow God sustains it and, until we're re-embodied. In fact, there's only, only a few passages that actually 
describes what happens when we die and what happens to our body in this separation. And Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 7 says this, And the dust returns to the ground it came from, and the Spirit returns to God who gave it. And there are only a few passages in the Bible that talks about this, this, what, this separation moment that happens. That we die physically, then, and then divine breath returns back to God, but keeps our identity somehow, our identity of who we are, and is sustained in God, and, and somehow we're reconnected to God's presence. That's all it says. It's just a hint. That's all it says. Are humans meant to live forever? Are we made? Were we created to live forever? Were we created to be immortal? And based on Genesis chapter 1 to 3, the answer is no. We weren't created to be immortal. We were created to live forever. Why? Because eternal life was a gift freely given by God. And this was embodied in the tree of life. That we forfeited. We forfeited this right by choosing for ourselves and seizing for ourselves what I'm gonna I'm gonna say what's right and wrong in my life. God's not gonna tell me. I'm gonna live my life my own way and I'm gonna decide and I'm gonna separate myself from God. And God will give you over to your desires. And we find ourselves in a place of darkness. But you know, when we read the Bible, when we begin to read the story, it's a, story, it's a love story. That God loved you so much. That when you separated, when we separated ourselves away from God, it broke His heart. And the rest of the story is God's plan, God's design to again give humanity this gift of eternal life. And how did He do that? This is what He did for you. He loved you so much that God stepped into His creation, bind Himself with flesh in the fullness of Jesus. And on the cross, He died for your sin and rebellion so that all humanity can receive eternal life again. But it's not automatic. It's not automatic. Because eternal life is a gift. It's freely given. How do you receive a gift? You receive it by willingly taking it, or we can refuse it. Totally up to you. You know, I want you to imagine you're a little kid, right? We're all little ones, believe it or not. <laughs> imagine, I want you to imagine that you're going to buy your mum a Christmas parent, uh, present. If, if you don't have a relationship, good relationship with your mum, imagine it's someone else of sort of gift to you. You're going to buy your mum a Christmas present. And you know what? You're just a kid. It's going to, you don't have much money. So you go out, you get yourself a part-time job. You, you deliver newspapers, okay? And you deliver newspapers. You work really hard. And you finally save enough to buy this gift for your mom, and you can't wait for your mom to get this gift. You're thinking, man, when mom opens up the gift. You know, it's not about the gift, right? Because you know this gift that you bought, it cost you. It cost you something. But it was worth it because it's not about the gift, but it's about your love for your mom. Christmas coming, you're excited. Not about the gift, but about how your mom receives this gift. Door opens, she walks in, and you're excited. You're already up. Normally you're, still, you're asleep till 10. <laughs> Some of you are still asleep at 10. 
But you're up early. You can't wait. You're, 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 you're in anticipation of your mom receiving this gift. You open up the door and you go, Mom, I've got a present for you. It's under, it's under the tree. It's under the tree. And then she, she walks in. She looks at the gift and she goes, I don't want your gift. And she walks away. But you're like, Mom, 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 where are you going? Mom, you don't understand. You, you, honestly, you're going to love this gift. I don't want your gift. But do you, do you know what I've done for you? Because I don't want your gift. And she walks out. How would you feel? I don't know if that was me. I'll be in tears. It was never about the gift, but it was about my love for my mother that was rejected. And this is the gift that God gives to all humanity. What did it cost him? It cost his life on the cross. But it's this gift of eternal life is freely given, but it's also freely refused. We can choose, oh, I don't want your gift. Thank you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me, but no thanks. How do you think that makes God feel when we reject this gift? What does the Bible tell us for everyone, every person who receives this gift? The Bible tells us there's a party in heaven. That's what the Bible tells me. Because you, when you imagine if your mom received and opened this gift, what are we going to see? There's joy on her face, and it's the joy, the expression of love of her receiving the gift. That means more to you than the actual gift. You don't actually care about the gift. What you care about is how much you love your mom. And when you receive the gift, you know, God loves you so much. He calls us a party in heaven. He says to the angels, angels, get the streamers out. My son has come home. My daughter has come home. They received the gift. Come on. Eternal life is a gift. We can receive it or we can refuse it. The choice is yours. We can go on living as zombies. Or we can step into eternal life now and receive his gift of forgiveness. So he loves you so much. He loves you. Loves you, loves you, loves you. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 9 says this For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. And if you're here this morning, You've never received this gift. You've never made a decision. I'm not talking about a password moment here. If I say those words, then that's, it's not about a password moment. It's about making a decision. That I'm making a decision to receive this gift. You know, I'm, I'm not going to grasp at what's right or wrong. I'm not going to make a decision for myself. You know, this is what's right or wrong. No one else is going to tell me, you know what? I'm letting go of this and I'm, this, and I'm turning my back. I'm repenting. I'm turning away and I'm turning towards God. And I'm trusting my Creator who loves me. And I'm receiving this eternal life. This is what it's about. It's making a conscious, it's making a decision in your heart, a consciousness to let go and stop cease grabbing onto these things that don't give you any security. That gives you momentarily, momentary, short-term security. <laughs> but letting go and receiving his grace today, right here, right now. Will you receive his eternal life today? Come and let us pray. Father God, we love you.